that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. And you're very welcome to the first edition of this jumps season of the race hour podcast we are back brand new sponsors on board as well with bookmakers.co.uk it is myself dean ryan in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk uh, derma nolan is here derma how are you doing? Very well. Delighted to say we've got Cheltenham Festival winning jockey Paddy Asper also back with us for this jump season. Paddy, how are you keeping? I'm well. How are you, lads? We're all good, I think. I think, you know, I was a little bit disingenuous there. You're recovering from a bit of an injury, Paddy. A, a horrible ACL done on the mighty track of Le Launt. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't think my beloved Villa will be giving me the shout anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but we're getting there. It's slow progress, but we're certainly, I think, on the right side of it now, thank God. I spent many a day kicking around the back end of Le Lawn Racecourse with their four or five rails bookmakers and the you odd were, visiting um, jockey. You were champion jo- champion jockey there as well, Paddy. Were you at one point or were you nearly? I was. I was champion the first season I rode out there. and um, It's difficult now because the likes of Neil Holland come out quite a lot and they're, they're actually starting to attract, like Sam Twiston was out there loads last year and you know the likes of Brian Hughes. So it's a bit more difficult now, but... Um, but I like going out there because you know you can be competitive and plus I get to ride over hurdles uh, which you know I'm on my flat license so and it's a bit of crack and to be fair in, in the at the height of summer it's uh, it's a lovely lovely a lovely spot. Uh, it's a fantastic setting for a race course. They, I remember John Frankham rode out there once, um, and this is going back to when I was kicking around there as a kid, and you used to get the odd celebrity jockey come over, and they'd literally almost be a charity thing. Like They'd bring someone over to take a few pictures and give it a, one ride around the track on an absolute sure thing. And I think he said, if you miss the first there, you go straight over the cliff. <laughs> That's right. You, you certainly wouldn't want anything now that leans too bad to the right because you, <laughs> you'd certainly really want a pair of armbands. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's quite a fierce drop as well. Anyone want to check that out, check it out on Google. If you do get the jersey, go to Leylon Racecourse. I'm going to give them a call after this, make sure they got my season badge set up, having given them such a great shout out. Paddy, it's great to have you back. Dermo, it's great to have you uh, on the race hour. We're going to look forward to a really big jump season. We had great fun last year, of course. And thanks to our sponsors at bookmakers.co.uk for making it all possible once again. Now, it is, of course, Champions Day this weekend. But in true race hour tradition, Dermo, we're going to ignore that, right? We will certainly. Yeah, yeah, I think we've uh, we've fairly set ourselves up now as a jumps racing podcast. That might have to change at some point, but uh, for the moment, we're, we're very happy to just be a jumps racing podcast. So <laughs> whatever flat racing is going on will never be discussed on here. I think this is probably the earliest Cheltenham Festival preview ever done in the history <laughs> of podcasts. So we'll try and we'll try and make it more of a season preview rather yeah, than Cheltenham. 100%. But I don't think you can talk about jumps racing without talking about Cheltenham. So uh, the easiest way to go is just spin through what we've got to look forward to, and there are some real cracking highlights coming up over the season that everyone is already itching to try and decide which way uh, these challenges are going to go. Um, we might kick off with um, some novice hurdlers. Um, interesting to note that Keith Donoghue has joined bookmakers.co.uk with a weekly racing blog. Demo, I know you're uh, chatting to Keith pretty regular and um, if you look at the kind of novice hurdlers we've got to look forward to this season, lights of Malone Road, Envoir, Allen, uh, I don't really want to get into the potato horses from the Albert Bartlett, yeah. but I'm sure there's a few that are worth a note. But he's very, very keen that Gordon Elliott might have two uh, stars on his hands there 
and if they do keep him apart, I guess Supreme for Malone Road and Envoy Allen for the Ballymore makes sense. Yeah, so he's been speaking about them too. I mean, the way he speaks about Envoy Allen is like, I'd imagine you speak about your children, Dean. Um, he's... Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely just... He's, he's besotted with the horse. Um, he says that the horse could go over any distance. It's far from slow, because last season you did hear that a bit, that he was a real staying bumper horse, which of course he is, but all the key keeps saying is at home, he's, he's really not short of pace. So he was saying the Malone Road is definitely the, the speedier type. Of course, these two are both from the same owner, so one will end up going to Ballymore and one will end up going to the Supreme. So you'd imagine Envoy Allen will step up and trip, um, as Gordon has also alluded to himself. So Envoy Allen... It, he's ten to one now for the Ballymore, but just the way Keith talks about it, I, I've never, uh, I've never felt as um, as turned on by an anti-post price as f- just for the way that he keeps talking about the horse. Yeah, this far out already vying for favoritism. Um, of course, uh, a, a very good bumper horse, and that form got a little bit of a franking as well just recently with Time Hill. Was it winning for Hobbsey? Time Hill, yeah, uh, Time Hill that day as well at Chepstow. He beat Fiddler on the Roof. That that looked a very, a very, very decent race and it's a deep enough division as we always expect I mean the um, you know like you're looking at the the supreme there and you've got the likes of Blue Sari as well who was second ten by Allen himself last year he, he gave him an absolute world of a fright and then you get into the likes of the kind of you know the rich Richie horses that everyone's always trying to track each year and there's Which one a, is it this year please <laughs> we don't know there's loads of them because remember last year when, when we would have worked in in Betbright it was um, the the Sheedy had a lot of those horses didn't come out so you've, you know you've the likes of A1 you've 5 o'clock you've Jon Snow who everyone is kind of talking about so all these horses are there they're obviously really expensive horses who should be very very smart and the Supreme and the Ballymore it'll take a while to start out but Envoy Allen and Malone Road will be at the top of that then you've got the likes of Blue Sari but just kind of one horse there that I was looking at Dean as well for for the Ballymore is Ask for Glory um, the Paul Nichols horse from last year bumper horse looked very very good as Paul Nichols said himself they kind of really threw him in at the deep end for the uh, the champion bumper and he rather drowned on the day he just didn't kind of he didn't go with it at all he, he pulled the head off himself but he's 33 to 1 for the Ballymore and if he's as good as Paul Nichols talks about you're potentially on a horse there who could come out early this season win Paul Nichols will talk him up no end and you could just be on a horse that'll go off a lot shorter um, so he's 33 to 1 for the Ballymore I think that's that's very interesting but the um, it's hard to avoid that kind of each way double of Malone Road and by Allen just by the way the Keaton who's talking and the bookmakers that could UK it's almost something that you want in your anti-post book if you are going to get involved this early because then it saves you worrying about whether you have to back them at 6-4 to four on the day <laughs> that, that, that is it exactly <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be too put off with that actually ask for glory that you mentioned there Paddy I'm pretty sure you were quite keen on that animal yeah, last season yeah that's right uh, good shout by Dermo I mean the, <clears throat> there's no doubt the thing is you know he won his point nicely uh, he was very very impressive at Chepstow and I think you know it was the end of December and then we never seen him until the bumper at Cheltenham and I just think he had enough done you know for a young horse and he he just ran at that as well he, he was over the top he over raced um, and he was well well beat on the day but I do think he's a very very nice animal and I think Dermo spot on it'll be interesting to see what sort of route Nichols takes with him but I was quite impressed with this chap last year simply because I'm, I'm just a massive fan of the sire um, fame and glory I think he's a cracker uh, there's several really good up and coming jumping sires there on the go at the minute but he's certainly one of them 
Is it um, something that yards right now, Paddy, will be very... I'm not going to say, I'm nervous is probably the right phrase. I mean, you've got a lot of very young, talented horses that are going to either have to face hurdles for the first time, or maybe they've had a few schooling races. Like, what kind of makes them turn into exactly what they want? How difficult is it to prep out early season campaigns for these horses before the big, big races come up? You know, you three or four months to get it right. Do you need two or three runs? Do you need plenty of schooling races at home? What will they be doing? Well, I suppose each of them, they're all different. Some horses need less schooling than others. Um, you know, it's its like anything, even with humans, some people do things a bit more natural and easier than others, and they don't need as much practice, whereas you can over-school a horse and you can under-school. Um, certain trainers have got their own way. They don't they don't like to school horses that often, simply because it's, if you've got maybe a smaller trainer who you know, the, the, the numbers are smaller. They simply, it comes down to the risk factor. You don't want to school them that much at home in case you bust them, you know? Um, whereas if your numbers are big, you can school away. And if one does get hurt, you're able to fill the box up, no problem. So it's different priorities for different trainers. But um, the thing I always like to look out for is, you know, if you look at certain races that trainers will target um, with what go on to be good horses they'll target certain races because they'll look at a horse and think well i won that the last two years with, with this horse and you know the, the horse that they're looking at might remind them have the same traits as that one so they'll, they'll aim certain horses at certain races because they know what it takes to win that race if you know what i mean a certain tracks also a little bit fairer to you know the novice hurdlers than say a more season type or one that they're not concerned about jumping would there be certain places they might aim these types of horses apart from you know previous experience that they've had their win in certain races are there easier tracks to kind of unleash these types well i think generally i mean you look at the likes of penton hills he went straight from he made his day de- debut over hurdles of plumpton yeah. didn't he uh, and then he was straight into the deep end next time. Every trainer will always go for a bit of a penalty kick first time because that, that's what you want. You just want to get him out, get a look at him, and you want to get him A to B and see what you have. But you're not going to learn an awful lot, but it's just a case of getting, getting the wheels in motion. Okay, interesting stuff. I think we've nailed a couple of horses maybe to look out for from an anti-post point of view. Lights of Malone Road and Envoy Island right at the tops of their markets. But if they are split that way, you might be sitting on a bit of value after they do get a few runs under their belt. And Dermo, you mentioned Ask for Glory, which I know Paddy was keen about last year. So that's another kind of long range dart. Any others you want to pick out, Dermo, before we do kind of kick on? I'm always looking forward to this group of horses, but we do need to see them run. We do, we do. So yeah, no... As far as an obvious hurdles goes, I tend to kind of hold tough. It's just the one again from the uh, bookmakers that UK piece. Um, was chatting to Keith Dunahoo, and he absolutely seems to love as well uh, Fury Road, who is a forty to one shot for the Alper Bartlett. So always good to have a horse for that division, but I tend to let that. To, I wouldn't worry about the Alper Bartlett generally until the day before the race really trainers always have this wonderful get out and connections of all horses including jockeys Paddy and I'm going to throw this at you anything they do over hurdles is a bonus Yeah, it's uh, not really a bonus <laughs> when you've got races like the Supreme and the Ballymore and the Albert Bartlett to go for I mean you look at a horse like City Island last year who I wonder what's going to happen with that horse now as it moves on probably over fences it only ever trained for one day owner was involved with the race. Everything about that horse was drilled into it coming good, and they came good at Cheltenham. This uh, this line, you know, anything that happens over over hurdles is a bonus, Paddy. I'm sure it's one you've used before. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, what's the first thing you said when you get into a taxi? Go on. How long are you on till? <laughs> That's very true. 
it's the done thing, isn't it? But um, I suppose sometimes, you know, you can watch horses jumping hurdles and sometimes you can see, oh, you think, God, he'll be far better over a fence. But, I mean, generally, look, if, 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 they're, if they're able to um, jump a fence, they should be very capable of jumping a hurdle. But obviously, they've, they've got to climb the ranks. Um, one I just wanted to ask Dermo about, if, if Keith had said, did he mention um, Andy Dufresne? Dufresne? Uh, he had in passing he wasn't in his um, his tent to follow because he had that covered between the novice hurdlers but again Andy Dufresne would be up there with the other two um, Malone Road and then by Allen the, uh, the three of them are, are very smart animals and uh, God knows where, where they could all end up but I by the sounds of it and by the kind of look of it all I'd imagine Andy Dufresne and Malone Road could end up clashing over two miles I'd say yeah yes looking that way isn't it yeah it is and it's kind of hard to separate two horses like that because they they both look like speedsters don't they yeah it's going to be very hard for that yard to to keep them around I know there's plenty of penalty kick opportunities around and they'll obviously farm a few of those but once the bigger days come along oh you can't not clash no they're going to have to decide on a trip pretty early for Malone Road and Envoy Island and then Andy Dufresne will fit in where he fits in because different owners so going to be a a fascinating time great to see Cheveley Park actually having some success and getting some really good horses uh, for the season ahead because you can imagine if we get another powerhouse owner uh, involved with the purchases of young stores especially with Gingenstown uh, backing out that we're going to have some nice uh, races in prospect one final point before we do move on to some novice chasers Uh, you were talking there Demo about Rich Ritchie and perhaps I think a few people questioned last year whether Love was falling out of the game for his band of horses could look like he was down on runners it looked like he wasn't at the big parties where he normally would be and uh, you made a very good point about just having a lot of horses back there who weren't getting runs because of the yeah, ground yeah, they couldn't. they're, they're, all, they're all soft horses yes. yeah, yeah. yeah so I would imagine you would see a very big resurgence back from uh, those uh, pink and green spot colours this season which is also exciting let's move on then to um, some of the novice chasers obviously we've got a bit more um, kind of form in the bank with lots of these uh, I might kick off with the lights of the Arkle, uh, a horse I really don't fancy for it, but seems to top plenty of novice chase lists is uh, is Lorena, who I thought got away with a bit of murder in her own sex last season. And uh, then when push came to shove, perhaps a little bit too soon for a horse like Lorena, but she's topping the market there. Classical Dream is around in the tops of these markets as well, but I'm pretty sure it's going to stay hurdling. Seems that something would have to go wrong. Um, and then you've got the likes of Melon, might be a little bit overdue actually for that one to go jump on a fence. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, a decent crop demo. Yeah, I just can't remember with Melon the last time a horse stayed over hurdles that long and became a very good chaser. Foot uh, pad maybe, but... Yeah, but even then, you know, uh, he dominated worst, what worst, was... Yeah, terrible division. Yeah, <laughs> just the second worst article of all time after this year. But the um, <laughs> there's, yeah, it's like Lorena, the rumour going around about Lorena is that she's staying over hurdles, but rumours in horse racing are not more to watch at all, obviously. But the rumour is that, that she is staying over hurdling. Uh, classical dream, I, I think they'd be mad not to give the champion hurdle a go with how beautiful her hurdler he is he just he takes his hurdle so easy I mean at, at Cheltenham the big difference I thought between him and the two behind him Mitchy Feet and Thomas Darby was that he was just skipping away from him the other two of them I thought looked like chasers in waiting they weren't as quick they did yeah you wonder what might have happened with the second and the third and even some of the other ones in behind classical dream and they got a more prominent ride everything just fell everything into fell Ruby's hands. but again he, but he's he done did that, that before and yeah and he did it not... afterwards as well a punches down so yeah. he could be just a very very 
smart animal. But the one again, um, Felix de G is very interesting here. Um, again, the, uh, the bookmakers are called UK article, which I keep mentioning, obviously. Uh, Keith was saying about Felix de G that they kind of had made a lot of mistakes with him last year in the yard. Um, they had, they tried him over two miles four. They tried him on soft ground. They tried him on loads of different avenues and nothing really worked. They kind of figured out with him that he likes the front run. They also figured out that he prefers good ground and that two miles is definitely his trip. And Keith's line was, if he gets good ground, gets fences in front of him and gets to make his own gallop in front, it'll take a very good horse to stop him. So over two miles, Gigginstown don't generally have these kind of two miles chasers. So he'll fit in beautifully into the, their whole their whole setup. He won't need, he won't be worried about clashing into anyone else. And Felix Deji there at 16 to one is very interesting, but the Arkell division, I tend to just let it figure itself out for a while because the first four or five in that market probably won't run on it. There is, yeah, I agree. Looking at the top of the market, it'd be like hurdles, 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 hurdles. And then, then you get some horses that might turn up. Um, one horse that's pretty forgotten there, Dermot, I think you'll agree with me on this one, is is Thomas Darby, who was second yeah. to uh, Classical Dream in a Supreme. And if you remember how that horse kind of went about its business, it seemed ground was really important. Then it seemed perhaps it wasn't important, having run at Cheltenham the way around. Um, and it, it disappointed a couple of times. Head carriage is a bit weird. Definitely looks a chaser to me. And yeah. uh, for one that is going to go fencing, it seems, from Ollie Murphy... And uh, uh, 25 to 1 for an article right now. If I had to nail my colours, I would have thought you'd get a little bit of value in that. But there is every chance when those colours, this the Diana Whiteley colours, that maybe a JLT or something like that is in the offing for him. I don't think he'll lack for speed or a bit of stamina, actually, in, in time. Uh, what do you make of the novice chasers we've got to look forward to this year, Paddy? There's a few big guns I haven't even mentioned, like of Reserve Tank, who's already had a spin, and uh, the beloved Sam Crow. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder. I did hear a quote from Gordon Elliott. How has he? How was he fenced at home? I wonder, Sam Crow. Well, this is a good question. I'm not sure. Um, it, apparently, Keith was on him, wasn't he? Schooling him. Keith hasn't rode him himself. No, uh, there's another lad in the yard, but they said that he's 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 born for the job, Paddy. They said he's uh, he's fencing very well, and uh, Keith was saying as well that he he half thinks that the the year off might end up being the best thing. That's um, kind of you know not a full year off, but basically it might end up being the the best thing to happen to him because the ground last year wouldn't have suited him anyway so he's grown up an awful lot he looks a big chaser now and uh, they're saying that he's he's fencing very well yeah it's going to be interesting to see I mean he's got a few questions to answer now hasn't he I suppose but nonetheless still very very low mileage um, but the horse that you mentioned I mean obviously he was no match uh, Thomas Darby for for classical dream in the in the supreme but I mean he Although beaten four and a half lengths, he actually finished lame, didn't he, after the, the Supreme? And like they rode him very, very patiently yeah. uh, in the Supreme. And, you know, he's got a pretty decent record at Cheltenham, uh, Thomas Darby. And he's another horse. You know, he's only had the six starts. He's very, very low mileage. So it'd be interesting to see how he tackles a fence also. Yeah, I'm excited about him. Of course, Ollie Murphy had a couple of other uh, ones who did very well over last season, like to bring up a storm and itchy feet. Now, I'm not sure whether they go fencing or, or hurdling, but both of them look like they've made decent chases uh, in time. Reserve tank. Um, Colin's got him out very early, Damo, didn't he? Yeah, he was beaten the last day, but it's... Um... I don't know, Tizard's horses earlier on in the season anyway. I'm open to be corrected on this, but it's just... I might be vision to flow in my head maybe but a lot of them seem to kind of take their time to come to the fore and then once they do so I wouldn't be overly worried about reserve tank just yet but he'll uh, he'll definitely improve for that and the tactics can, can be looked at as well 
Um, but there is, I mean, it's a very exciting division overall. Isn't it? The, yeah. the kind of novice chases, because you could hear most Morris during the week about Sam's profile, that he's avoiding this whole division this year uh, because he is only a five-year-old and he was just saying that it's it's very, very hot. Um, and it is. I mean, like when you look at the RSA division, like the top of the market there is Manella Indo, who obviously won the Albert with a bit of a shock, but backed it up with punches down. Then behind that horse, you've got Alaho, Next Destination, Bright Forecast. Like it's just a seriously, seriously hot division. Um, and the one in the RSA, to be honest, at the moment that I thought was a bit of a price is uh, Dickie Diver at 25 to 1 uh, for Nicky Henderson yeah. to finish fourth in the Albert Bartlett on his third ever start, uh, sorry, his third ever rule start is really impressive and the way he ran that day was excellent a lot of the time with those Albert Bartlett horses it's not the ones that win it that actually turn out to be the real superstars sure. it's it's the ones in behind and I think he um, he is one of them and then one horse that I've been looking at for a while to skip back to the JLT division for for a little bit is a horse who's been kind of he was kept away from all the big parties last year because this horse is a natural born chaser he's for the Rooney so hopefully they'll they'll run their horses back at Cheltenham again because I know they were they were kind of keeping him away but depends what day it is I think <laughs> Yeah, it depends what day of the week it is. They're like they're like us with sponsors. They've had more uh, more jockeys and trainers than, we, than we've had sponsors in this podcast. But um, uh, goodbye, Bobby. Um, he's forty to one for the JLT. Uh, this is a horse who they taught the absolute world of. They were talking an awful lot during his um, his bumper campaign. And last season, I kind of liked the campaign. They just kept him away from an awful lot. He finished the season by winning a Chepstone Foss last. It's not really where you'd earmark a, a superstar, but just the way he tanked through those races um, he just looked to me like a horse that they were really going to unleash as soon as he went chasing and this yard does this an awful lot with, with chasers like this so one of the horses that I have had a small bet on is Goodbye Bobby um, at 40 to 1 in the JLT and Dickie Diver at 25 in the RSA Dean interesting Dickie Diver is a fair shout I know the reputation is obviously seriously high we'll have to see uh, what comes out of that goodbye Bobby I know less about but at 40 to 1 always willing to take chances at those prices um, I just want to touch on Sam Crow before we do move out of this division because I'd be interested to know what you guys think about what his best trip will be because let's say Sam Crow without last season was going straight over fences I'd probably say he'd be favourite for all through maybe not the Arkel but he'd be favourite for the other two uh, divisions of a Cheltenham showpiece um, and at the moment like he's 25 to 1 for an RSA for me he looks every inch an RSA type horse I'd imagine he, if he's in good shape and ready in time for something like the Drimmore I'd imagine he'd go there and Keith, warm his way up to it but I don't know what they're going to plant but what do you think about Trip? Uh, Keith was saying because I actually put this to him this will be in the in the piece tomorrow about Sam Crow because we had a quick spin through the mm. the early season targets for for the kind of better horses and I said it to him if it was his call I said if it was my call I'd put him into the JLT this season um, and he's kind of he tended to agree um, he said long term you're completely right the horse is a three mile horse in waiting but just the likes of an RSA can kind of kill a horse and they have enough of them in the yard really yeah. um, that the likes of a JLT for him this season stepping into a Gold Cup campaign next year might just be the best way forward for him Okay interesting Paddy you, you've seen Sam Crow as much as we have uh, running around various tracks and obviously last season a little bit of a disappointment trying to go toe for toe with some pretty slick two milers what do you think of him long term Gold Cup type horse and, and what kind of trip would you be aiming at this start this, this position that he's in now right now in his career well I suppose he's, he's got the added bonus isn't he? he he is a horse who does stay a trip but he's not a slow boat you know I mean obviously he won his point 
nicely first time and that was on heavy ground but you know they've never even ventured anywhere near three mile um after that i mean obviously he won the um he won at Cheltenham over two mile five in the in the Ballymore and and really stayed that trip very very well um but he's got some reasonable form over the minimum as well but i mean since Cheltenham he's not managed to win obviously he fell at Punchestown and since then since they went back to two mile you know he has suffered um you know some some pretty heavy defeats and especially the last one but obviously that's where he's he's picked up his knock but like i said he's got a few boxes to tick now sam crow but i mean just looking now it's december since we last seen him so he has had time to strengthen up and you know this horse is seven year old now so hopefully we are seeing the finished article but like i said mm. he, he has got some questions to answer and, and, and i hope he does yeah so do i i'm really looking he could be the star of the show if it all goes to plan and it would be great to see sam crow back firing all cylinders in what looks a, a hot division across all the various different trips if he can slot in somewhere i'd be very happy to see sam crow at the top of the tree again i can't stress enough there how that rsa uh, we keep saying every season this year's gold cup is going to be amazing and it never happens yeah but that rsa division this year if a lot of them go towards it is going to be one hell of a race because those front three from the Albert Bartlett last year front four really with dicky diver they're all four massive stamps of chasers and you even have the likes of lisnick or oscar who's way down the market there he's a very smart horse you've an awful lot of brilliant horses there so we could be in for an absolute cracker of division this year I will confess to have had being already back Sam Crow for the RSA at a big price. He might know. That's where I'm steering all my questions. Tell me I'm right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, will, we will see how we get on. I do want to throw in a Bismarck to the mix uh, before we move on. I don't think Champ is going to make much of a chaser this season. And I know he's in and around uh, the markets for those. But uh, as good a horse he looks, he, he's going to need to fill a frame for me. Yeah, he looked a proper herder last year, didn't he? Uh, that run at Aintree last year, he he looked a real thing. Now, he, there is a big frame there, so if he does fill it, um, he will. Um, he's with, obviously, a very good trainer for that, but um, you can't take anything as a given in these divisions. And I thought he was kind of put in his place as well in the Neptune to a degree. There's massive improvements there, but I'd be sitting massively on the fence there with him anyway, Dean. I'm going to be keen to take him on at short prices when, enough, he get, yeah. when he gets going. I like, you I always like, pick one. I like to yeah. pick one or two yeah, <laughs> yeah. to have a pop at. Uh, I've been right and wrong <laughs> before. Okay, look, let's take a break there. We had a good look at some of the novice hurdle highlights and some of the novice chases uh, to look forward to over the course of this coming jump season. So we'll take a very quick break now on the race out and we'll be back. We'll go through some senior hurdlers and senior chasers for the jump season ahead. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-up offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Okay, and welcome back to the race hour. Myself, Dean Ryan, uh, Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel. We spent the first half of the show here, sponsored, of course, by bookmakers.co.uk, having a look at the season ahead with novice hurdlers and novice chasers. Now, whilst they are two exciting divisions, we've also got even more form in the bank when we start looking at some of the senior hurdlers and senior chasers for the upcoming jumps season. Uh, champion hurdle division last year, uh, deciphered, dissected and nailed by Dermot Nolan, of course, uh, with 
with Espar Dallin winning the champion hurdle. Uh, probably only fair to start with you, Derma, about who's going to win this year's race. <laughs> yes, Chevy Dallin. Uh, heartbroken about Espar Dallin, first of all. Um, what a what a performance that was and it would have been great to kind of find out because the race did have an air of falling apart to a, a degree you know his time and everything backed that up but it would have just it been great yeah. <laughs> it would have been great for it to be properly tested again this season exactly I agree I, I do think he's an up. he he was an absolute beast of a horse and I said it all season I really do and this year's renewal looks very good doesn't it well, and Sir Eric as well with what could have been this yes. year round including you know, with Espar Dan and yeah. Sir Eric we were looking at perhaps a new golden age and now we've got some of you know the same horses again we do exactly um, you know it, like it's still a proper race I mean even when you look there at Pentland Hills Bouvray there will we'll be going again you've Classical Dream obviously who Classical Dream is 7-2 to two, and I'm not backing him at that price but you couldn't turn anyone off that because if he just starts rocking and rolling like he did last season he ends up very short um, Fusil Raffles is definitely another one so there is still a, a plethora here it's just as you said can you imagine this division now a classical dream Sir Eric Espard Allen fighting and then you'd, like, you'd have the likes of Pentland Hills and Fusil Raffles behind them yep. you're looking there at a serious five brand new horses there at the top of the market no we, yeah. we have three but Bouvray there at 8-1 Dean as big a fan as you are can, can you see him I'm not that big a fan for this year I have to say and he kind of fills the my tent or yours and uh, the new one spot this year in this yeah. year's division uh, you've got to go and beat him that's for sure but something probably will every win will be a bit emotional as well but yeah again the two I've landed on here uh, one of them I backed last year he just never made it back is Salier if you like Espard Allen you kind of have to like Salier because he was coming last year in that race at Nace to trouble him jump on the last he was travelling much sweeter and he came down and just for the cut in the face and the injuries that he got they just wouldn't heal on time so they just kind of pulled up stumps but he's still only five going on six so he's still plenty young enough um, the year off again surprisingly could just do him the world of good and he could fill out um, as Willie Mullen said a lot of people seem to have forgotten about him but they certainly haven't and I haven't either because that performance at Punchestown Festival when he won was absolutely breathtaking it was so good that Robbie Power spent nearly the whole summer talking about him um, so like he, he's a brilliant horse and 20 to 1 and the second one now people laugh at me a lot anyway Dean and people will raise their eyebrows at me but here we go Angel's bred at 50 to 1 uh, <laughs> um, yeah we're backing for the great wood first right yeah like so he's going to have a very similar season I think in my own head uh, Nicky Henderson said he'll start off over hurdles he will make a very good chaser but he'll start off there so he's going to have a, in my mind a brain power type season right? in that he'll start off in it could be that handicap hurdle at Ascot the brain power one or it could end up being a great wood because he's only off 146 there's a race in him off that mark anyway and if he wins that and then steps on and ends up in one of these really poor uh, UK grade twos or grades three, like the Moore Battle or the whatever yeah, else, yeah. Yeah. he can all of a sudden knock up a sequence of three or four wins. He definitely won't be 50 to one after that. That's uh, fair. And this is a horse that Nicky Henderson has been talking about as if the world, that that he's absolutely brilliant. Reserve Tank that beat him at Aintree went on and franked that form. He made a terrible mistake 
at Cheltenham that completely blunted his progress. We have we are nowhere near the bottom of this horse, and to take a price of fifty to one to find out, I'm happy enough to do that. Yeah, fair enough. I think you're on the two hipster horses there of the champion hurdle <laughs> market. I think uh, that's bigger hipster horses. <laughs> yeah, Sal. Well, no, maybe not. Saldia and uh, Angel's Breath. I yeah, I'd love after telling everyone that Angel's Breath was going to win everything last year. If he does do it this year, I will make sure I'm on the train at some point. Yeah, we didn't shut up about that horse. No, we didn't. Um, yeah, hopefully with with some you know justification this time around, we will find out. That's a, that's a wild shot, but uh, yeah, if it goes wins a great wood and then maybe something like uh, you know a couple of one of the lower grade trials, then you you are not on a fifty to one shot. I agree with that. Um, Pentland Hills, I guess, is interesting there. Paddy, uh, the champion of the division is a question of perhaps what might have been, but we have got some horses that can step up. Classical Dream will need to again to win a champion hurdle, but everything about what we saw from last year looks like a champion hurdle horse. Yeah, he's very, very high class, isn't he? Um, classical dream. I mean, he's 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 unbeaten uh, since Willie Mullins has managed to get his hands on him. Um, but I suppose the horse that you mentioned, Pendon Hills, he's probably the one, uh, Dino, who you know he's got fresher legs. He's only four year old, Pendon Hills. I mean, God, he's only had three runs over hurdles. But I just thought he got the job done at Cheltenham even though you know he overjumped at the first you know and that really could have unsettled the whole job to begin with but he still managed to get the job done on his second start over hurdles um, and then even at entry he was far far too fresh and keen for Nico de Boinville that day but he still managed to show a bit of grit you know for a pretty I won't say run of the mill flat horse but he certainly wasn't uh, outstanding on the, on the flat but he showed that he stays he's got a bit of grit and even though he did probably overrated entry he still managed to win um, I think this chap if he's wintered well he's going to make it into a very very high end hurdler Penton Hills I think yeah, he could be the the fly. I mean, kind of like you mentioned earlier on in this show that, you know, turned up once at Plumpton and then went on and straight to the big shows and got the job done. He kind of came out of nowhere. Like, so there's there's still a lot of uh, mileage to come with Penton Hills. I've got to mention Apple's Jade to you, Paddy. Do you think they'll be done and dusted now with any ideas of a champion hurdle again with Apple's Jade? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they're thinking. Um I just think the loss was taken up at towards the, the, the back end of last year. She, I don't know, she just started to get a little bit unpredictable, uh, considering some of her form that she showed throughout the year was outstanding. Uh, I thought, leading into the champion last year, I thought, like all the Liverpool fans say, this is our year. I thought that was hers last year, but it didn't happen. Um, albeit, look, she got eyeballed from the get-go in the champion uh, by, by um, it was Mellon, wasn't it? Yeah really upset the job but look um, she, she never showed up there and never showed up after so another one I think her price reflects maybe what's what's expected this year but um, we've also got to see maybe if, if, what, what route they're going to go down with her She doesn't have that bomb proof kind of champion hurdler gloss that no, you need she, with yeah. real champion hurdlers Hurricane Fly bomb proof those yeah, types she, went into, she goes in and out of season too much isn't it that's, yeah. That, yeah. that's what they say because Keith Dunne again <laughs> we'll hopefully stop mentioning the, the poor man as long he, as he's uh, got something to say <laughs> keep going he's, he'll be saying in this week's blog as well which is out tomorrow is that um, that performance at Leperstown he doesn't think there's a single hurdler in the UK or Ireland that would have actually beaten her that day yeah I think that's fair it was and that then he much says of a stand up she, she could walk out the next day at home and would just be lifeless and he said it's just the way she is you just have to take her for for what she is but when she's on a going day there's he doesn't think there's anything that 
like a beater. Okay, I mean, that's a, look, 25 to 1 for Chambonado. If she did go out and do anything like that before and they go again, uh, it won't be 25 to 1. But again, you take your, uh, you know, you take your medicine with a horse like that can turn up or not turn up. Um, I don't think there's going to be many other surprises in that division than we've covered. Uh, Classical Dream could run away with it this year and it really depends on, you know, how that one has summered, you'd imagine, in good shape. Um, I remember them getting straight off at Cheltenham and going, oh, it's Chambonado horse. And I think there's people saying, no, Arkle, Arkle, Arkle. <laughs> Everyone wants to see him jump a fence, but you know, this division does look there for the taking. Pentland Hills, perhaps, uh, Saldier, another one that can step forward. I don't think there's much else there that um, will be staying in that division rather than uh, jumping a fence or two. Let's have a look at the Stayers Hurdle division, least interesting for me, really, because of Paisley Park's. Um, domination of it last year when a horse I really didn't fancy but just kept coming and uh, and winning all the wars reminds been been compared to likes of big bucks because of the flat spots and uh, and then going through and and the way that Paisley Park won at Cheltenham uh, I wouldn't be wanting to take it on at five to two and also really wouldn't want to be back in at five to two to be honest yeah no uh, a beautiful story it was just great to see an owner or you know an owner like Andrew Gemmel and a, a trainer like Emma Lavelle to win a big race at Cheltenham it's it's becoming rarer and rarer and in jumps and flat racing now to have kind of owners and trainers like that and and to do it and it's great for him that, that he did do it on the big day but yeah the, the way he won you just wouldn't be looking to take him on he, he's looked beaten a few times last season and, and that's why I kept taking him on I kept saying oh he'll hit a flat spot one day and something will just skip away from him but he just seems to make up the ground then so effortlessly well not e- even effortlessly under the cosh but he just seems to swamp everything but just I've mentioned him already today a horse that I absolutely adored last season and I still really like is Sam's profile uh, he is an interesting um, each way angle into the race at 33 to 1 he'll go down the Alpha de Zobo route and that he'll mop up the really poor three mile um, races here in Ireland there's only two of them I think or three of them he'll he'll mop all them up um, he'll probably win the Galmoy just like Alfred Zobo did and then you're just hoping that um, he's not bumping into a thistle crack like Alfred Zobo did but he Alfred could Zobo well be Alfred is the best staying hurdler never to win the stairs hurdle yeah. in my view yeah. especially on that performance that day behind thistle crack which still haunts me yeah there's well there's also the likes of Grand Crew and these horses but yeah no definitely um, I do agree with you and I think Sam's profile is very good. It's an interesting call. Um, he's only five years old and um, Mouse Morris does not want to run him against the brilliant novice chasers that are out this season. He wants to look after him for a year. So he's made that call and it could end up being a very advantageously profit, profitable call as well because there's plenty of three mile hurdlers, especially here in Ireland, hurdle races, sorry, that are quite easy to win really. Fesh out and a very big price and attached to a trainer that when they make decisions like that generally are vindicated. Uh, Sam's profile for Mouse Morris. Be great for him to have another one to go to war with at the big parties as well considering uh, the the lack of, uh, well I would say, owners supporting him of recent times. Um, Paddy, the stairs hurdle division uh, dominated last year when we didn't, I'm not sure we all rode in behind Paisley Park but do you know what Paisley Park reminds me of a greyhound that hits the final bend and then takes off. It's almost like before that can get in the fear, get a bad trap or whatever and still does the business is there anything in that division that you're looking forward to maybe mixing up with Paisley Park uh, it's it's difficult to look past Paisley Park simply because of his in running style he, he's you know, he's a real grinder this time I mean, you stop that Cheltenham race turning in he, he wins nothing does he um, yeah you know but- yeah and I mean plus like I say Aiden Coleman he switched him out wide and he ended up getting over to that stand side fence and he was in front then by the last so for a horse who stays three mile 
to show that turn of turn of foot. Um, it's not something. It's not a word you use very often with three mile um, hurdlers, but just yeah. incredible. Got an awful lot of natural ability that horse, um, and he climbed the ranks very quickly last year. Um, there was a couple I noted down here. If the cap fits. Um, I thought he was interested he's never actually ran at Cheltenham if the cap fits um, but I thought that was a really good effort at entry to finish off the season last year the bulk of his form uh, is at sort of galloping more flat tracks so he has got to tick the Cheltenham box uh, that chap but you know he's he's rated a little bit below Paisley Park he's 160 um, and obviously we've got Benny to do. Um, we all know about the the Cheltenham saga, but you know there's not much between uh, her at the weights. But if the cap fits as well, but just some 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 other interesting ones there. But I think Paisley Park, if if he turns up the same sort of horse as last year, it's just his real liking for Cheltenham. And you know I, I've mentioned every time, both times he's kicked the last hurdle out of the ground because he, he's Dawson. And if a horse can do that in in such high end races like that there's an awful lot of ability there, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it could be a, a horse that goes and wins a couple of these um, and, you know, finds a spot in, in the books for it. Presenting Percy, uh, can I throw that one into the mix for a stay saddle? I do remember Connection saying we could have gone for a stay saddle yeah. last year. Uh, is 20 to 1 uh, best price out there for Presenting Percy to win a stay as, uh, yeah, yeah, discuss, Demo. Yeah, Paddy, Paddy called his horse to perfection last year, I think, anyway, because Paddy kept saying that there's something wrong with the horse he taught. Yeah. And that's why they were so quiet. And that's why David Russell was at such pains to say nothing um, not that <laughs> not that the trainer talks much anyway yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, look he's, he's he, there has to be more to him but even even to back him against Paisley Park at the moment you'd kind of want your head examined you'd want to see him a bit more uh, winning a Galmai hurdle or whatever else isn't uh, be all and end all um, so you need to see him a bit more the run in the Gold Cup is terrible but he did come back lame so they will have that hope to hang on to with him uh, but we just need to see him more this season for us to make a proper call on him. Yeah, I always like to look at this kind of chat as in like what anti-post vouchers did a lot of people have last year for what races, right? So if you go, uh, I had one for Sam Crow for whatever race you fancy, yeah. Champion Hurdle, right? Yeah. <laughs> or you had one for Apples J, Champion Hurdle. You, you can go and back them now at big prices for their new races yeah. and still yeah. feel like, you know, you might get Presenting Percy to win at a festival, you might get Sam Crow to win at a festival, you might get Apples J to win at a festival. Yeah. And uh, you've covered some big divisions. <laughs> That's uh, very you're, true. You're looking at 25 to 1, 33 to 1 shots about horses you were probably happy to back a sixth of all last year <laughs> which you know i just that's how i look at Cheltenham at this at this stage which i think i find quite fascinating uh, we have to talk about the mayor's hurdle because this podcast was almost sponsored by honeysuckle last, season, last year yeah. um what she did at punchestown after missing the Cheltenham festival was perhaps one of the best novice hurdle performances i've seen uh, albeit you know in the, the level that it was and the opposition that it was but Honeysuckle this year is 7-1 to one for the Mayor's Hurdle Paddy Aspel um, you were impressed with her last year we all sang her praises all the way around I, I'm not enthused that she'll even have to take too much on in that division No and I mean really um, their performances last year to say that we didn't get to see much of her, uh, certainly not as much as we would have liked. But you know, she's five year old now. But you know, she ran in January when she won at Fairy House, and then we didn't see her again back at Fairy House until April um, when she won the, the Grade One Mayor's race. But I mean, she won by five and a half lengths. Um, she's just so so straightforward. But you know, now including her point, she's only had five starts very very low mileage but just so good um and like i've mentioned before about this owner he's he's got an absolute 
stack of real good mares to go to war with and certainly Honeysuckle would be would be top of the pile for me. Benny might go fencing. They can switch and choose, I guess, with Benny to do it. Um, Apple's Jade, well, is Apple's Jade. And if she turned up here, obviously, you've got to be good to beat her if she's on a gay game. But she's seven to one. And I don't think she'll be racing against Lorena. Roxana, maybe again, fair enough. Um, The rest of them, yeah, good luck if they think they've got something as good as Honeysuckle. Yeah, like, but but her performance at Fairy House um, in that grade one was the most sickening of all, really, because it's just the position we'd put ourselves in for Cheltenham because it wasn't that long after it. So, like, she, she nearly made it. Uh, but what she did that day was outstanding. But the more I go through it is that Lorena was a shorter price near enough to this stage last year for a champion hurdle than what Honeysuckle is for the mayor's hurdle this year. And Honeysuckle has done more than what Lorena has done, in my opinion. Um, Lorena is a very she's a very good mare last season was she was really thrown in too too far so she's in it but the mare's hurdle looks like an absolute beast as well this season but Honeysuckle at 6th 7th 1 is the one I definitely would be on Dean and I'm not going to lie I, I will be back here I have been back here and and I shall be continuing once I see her this season. Yeah, we just want to know that's definitely what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Henry, <laughs> yeah. you know where we are. Yeah. So uh, yeah, reach out, please. Uh, it's an exciting time for the Honeysuckle Brigade. I, I do promise for Race Hour listeners going forward that we will not have a section on Honeysuckle every single show. Although I... Yeah, I can't guarantee I'll, can't guarantee I'll, that I'll, I'll that. All right, let's talk about some uh, some senior chasers then. Um, the big question, and actually the probably the only real talking point we need to do because it affects everything uh, this season, is Altior committed now by Nicky Henderson to going up in trip. King George first target, second target will surely be the Gold Cup, given everything that this horse has done already. Uh, Paddy, I, I really want to talk to you about Altior in in pick up on some things that we did discuss last season, and that you know became a bit of a doss up, became a little bit kind of bored with what he was facing all the time, and was still getting it done. But maybe a step up in trip, maybe a, a kind of change of tact, will uh, we'll see Altior step on again. I don't think the trip is an issue, but I, I'd like to know what you think. No, I don't think so. He's a very uncomplicated horse as far as, uh, you know, he doesn't over-race or do anything like that. I mean, obviously, he puts an awful lot into his jumping, doesn't he? He's very extravagant. We've all seen that. Um, but I just think maybe, obviously, if they're stepping up in trip, they will give them the chance to just ride him that bit more patiently. And if he's not in front, maybe it might just take away from this jumping left thing because he's going to be a little bit more competitive, maybe in amongst horses. And so he might visually be a bit more impressive to the eye because obviously last year, nobody really wanted to take him on. He was running in so many small fields and the bulk of the time he was having to race on, on, on right-handed tracks, which was were really exposing his, I won't say his weak points, but just these habits that he, he had sort of gotten into, um, which at times was, was leaving us a little bit underwhelmed, but obviously the engine is massive there. But I think we could see a different horse if they step up and trip because, like I say, it just gives him that option of maybe his, his running style just being altered a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've talked about some really nice horses coming forward this season and where they're going to go down. But Altior kind of sets the tone for everything that's going to happen this jump season. If this comes off, we've got a talking point all the way through Altior, Altior, Altior. It has. And even the likes of uh, Chak and um, who was one of the performances of the season last year at Punchestown, was just freakishly good. Um, really put away Defi Desai um, and the Arkle winner. I forget the name of the horse again now. Uh, but... Duck to Geneva. Duck to Geneva. Um 
absolutely hammered the two of them and you'd imagine not that Rich Ritchie in fairness to them they're, they're one of the most sporting owners there is because they just often they've been taking on Altior now with Min for so long and they've, they they just keep doing it um, Jack Jack and Persuade probably won't be influenced by that but God you'd be looking at Min and Jack and Persuade you'd be staring at that Queen Mother Champion Chase then saying Altior's not running here you know like yeah. this has to be our yeah. our goal now but oh, to be honest I would love to happen is uh, Altior to win the King George uh, the the sky will come crashing down on the anti-post markets Altior will be 2-1 to 5-2 to two, whatever price for the Gold Cup and Rightly then so. I'll be lashing into Santini then for weeks and oh, weeks really? and weeks because as much as I love Altior as much as I think he's an absolute superstar I think jumping the last at Cheltenham going up that hill if it was heavy ground I think there'd be an element of puking too many ifs there like heavy ground there's not like, there, none of them it's soft ground let's say <laughs> uh, which is quite likely yeah um I'm not sure Altior is built for that sort of an extreme trip. I think the King George, it could be poetry in motion. Um, and I'm open to be proven wrong, as I always am, but I think I think he'd still have a lot to do now to stop the, the big boat. There could be a touch of the might bites about him at Cheltenham on that colour ground. I get that, yeah. because you're talking about, I, I always call horses like chess pieces. He's one, might bite was one. They have this absolute strut of class about them. And when it gets a little bit tough, it gets a little bit too tough. And I think Altior's done a bit more than maybe, you know, probably comparing him to a horse that's nowhere near as good in my bite. But uh, I, I get what you're saying. The old boat might just reel him in in a gold cup. Yeah. Okay, all right. There, are, there is a horse actually at Tizard's that um, could be that old boat this year. It's lost in translation. He went up against Steffi Desoy uh, last year in, um, in the JLT and... Well, I thought probably just in the end just ran in the wrong race because he came out and, and, and thrashed uh, he just wasn't quick enough yeah well, he thrashed top of the game then at Aintree didn't he yeah. and everything about him seems to be a Tizard-esque um, mapping of a proper stay chase, yeah. staying chaser and they've got the old Hennessy which is now the Labrook of course coming up and I would imagine um, well, he, I've already backed him for that I think he's an ideal type for it I don't really be too worried about the, the, the weight that he'll carry in he's it or what he might or so, face. Isn't he? yeah, yeah. No, I think it's pretty fair um, so Lost in Translation kind of sets up the, the coming brigade for Altior, I think, if it does go to plan. Uh, do you like Lost in Translation, Paddy? Yeah, certainly, but you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, he just isn't anything flash this horse. He just is a real grinder, but he's a serious horse defence. Um, at Cheltenham, just, you know, the jockey's, the jockey's boot was out to the floor the whole way around. He just didn't have the gears to go. Um, whereas at entry, it was a, it was almost it was a bit surprising the, the boot he showed around entry. You know, a flatter, quicker track. Um, but fair play to the Tizars they, on the day that had him absolutely spot on. I mean, he absolutely smashed top of the game. Um, that was a hell of a performance because really the top of the game. It, you know, the market thought he was uh, he was unbeatable on the day, but it, it was a very very good piece of training. I thought by the Tizars because this horse he obviously he's got a great constitution and does take his racing well but nonetheless he still had a very hard race at Cheltenham simply because he was off the he was you know under the pump from such a long way out but to freshen him up and get him back to turn in such a decent performance in the mile May and like I say absolutely smashed top of the game by six lengths it was a hell of an effort was I'm really looking forward to him this year. I think sky's the limit for Lost in Translation. Like you say, not flashy, but I think he could really he could be a force to reckon with. Certainly around all those northern tracks as well uh, when they put on their big stand chasers. I mean, it's not we're talking about the ones that are stepping through, and I don't want to disregard Deffy who beat. Uh, lost in translation at Cheltenham looks a Ryanair candidate yeah. all over like I can imagine that a golf pretty short for the lights of that race at the festival but you've got Ken Boy 
album photo, Lost in Translation, Six Nest, Dermo's favourite horse in the world, Santini. Altior is in there at 14 to 1 for a Gold Cup. Won't be that price when he wins King George, everybody. Uh, Delta Work, who perhaps came out, well, with most questions to answer after, after an RSA, but I don't mean the prep when anything like they would have no, wanted. No, and, and again, this will be, um, Key will explain this tomorrow in his article, but... Um, he doesn't think the best horse won the RSA. There's some content in that article tomorrow. My yeah, God, yeah, it's yeah. going to be very long. <laughs> he thinks that uh, Delta Work it was by far the best horse coming out of that RSA last season and mm-hmm. that it just went wrong for him. So at 14 to 1 and then yeah, you got Clandazovo at 20 to 1. Like it's, it's, it could well be a Gold Cup but the problem is we say this every year and then we end up with uh, with Bristol Demoy taking on Annabelle Floy as the top two in the market. We'll end up with, <laughs> we'll end up with five runners and where is presenting Percy Gallup this week because we don't know. Um, <laughs> and Equine Flu will kick in somewhere around February and mess yeah. it all up. Uh, Paddy, I mean, it's a long old list, right? If the Gold Cup was tomorrow, um, I, I don't even know where I'd start. But I mean, it's a fascinating group of horses, isn't it? Hopefully we do get a Gold Cup like we've had in the past with, with you know, the long run Cato and Denman years. There is potential for this group to be very special. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, very, very interested. I mean, look, you could be here all day um, talking about the options, but it's just such a long year. You've got to see how horses have have summered and progressed. Um, and then also, I mean, the thing is, this time last year, we had so many trainers giving out, especially over this side of the war, um, about ground. They weren't wanting to let the handbrake off horses yet. Whereas now over here, there's no excuses. We've had plenty of rain um, and horses that are fit and ready to go at least thankfully I think we're going to get the, the the chance to see them pretty early and see see enough of them come Cheltenham so we're, we're going to be uh, I think anyway a good bit more in the know yeah I can't wait for it I mean every single one of these divisions has excited me now yeah. I'm actually mildly into the, into the jump season coming back it's back um, we do need to kind of wrap up our chat there I, I think we've we've kind of set the taste buds alight um, Demo I know you do loads of homework so maybe you have some handicappers for us to follow uh, I was going to put up the one you said might be a champion hurdle horse so that won't work um, Angel's Breath I'd imagine we'll pick up something off, uh, off the rating given all the hype about it but I don't have a lot to add uh, to that yeah, so Angel's Brett, 146 there, just has to be a handicap hurdle in him off that. Uh, I think the the great wood to begin with, uh, Nicky doesn't tend to actually start an awful lot in that race, um, so he could end up at Ascot. He also will have Mr. Fisher, who'll be running off 145, who's another horse who reached a decent level of form last season, was uh, seventh in the Supreme, so definitely won't be uh, far off winning off a mark like that. You've got horses like Superb Story and stuff like that who would have won the Greywood off very similar marks. So you are always looking for the Supreme kind of horses who were eight, seven, six type of horses and get out with a mark in the 140s. Um, they tend to be the ones that win the early season handicaps like that. There's another horse then called Easy Game for Willie Mullins he was really well backed for the Ballymore that day crazily uh, yeah just punted and then went to Punchstown and was well backed again under Brian Hayes went off about 14s never really kind of ran his race both days but there has to be he has to be showing something for the money like that to be coming so he's off a mark of 142 is easy game uh, you'd have to think that the Mullins will be able to uh, to plot a decent handicap hurdle with him um, and then over fences uh, Tower Bridge was second behind a Plotard last year at that novice handicap chase on the first day of the Cheltenham Festival he's still off 143 uh, he's now a year older so he's kind of five going on six now so there's definitely a race in Tower Bridge as well uh, now McGinty is another horse that I've always liked for uh, Stuart Edmonds who's a very good trainer and um, he'll be running off 144 this season 
season uh, he's a definite handicap chaser who um, who will be picking up uh, a decent chase somewhere nothing top level but something decent and the horse Dean that will win a very big handicap chase this season a horse who I've loved for a long time and I can't believe his mark really of 149 is Disco Rama and I think something like the Paddy Power at Christmas or if they wanted to go further the Irish Grand National a mark of 149 doesn't put him out of any of those races yeah. um, and what he achieved last season was actually a very high level of form so Disco Rama of 149 but Angel's Breath's the one of 146 so I'll be really looking forward to seeing where he runs once he doesn't come out like Peace and Cole with his head still gone yeah I'll be rowing into Angel's Breath at some point <laughs> uh, there was a horse I wanted to throw at Paddy I don't know Paddy if you remember last year talking up uh, John McConnell's horse Hannon it's off a rating of 131 I know it's had a recent run at Listol, but that might have just been a warm up after a couple of flat spins 131 seems quite low for a horse that showed plenty of ability last year yeah it certainly did um, just was it was a real eye catcher um, I honestly thought when I seen him win um, at Musselburgh earlier in the year I put him straight, it was straight, yeah. straight in the notebook then um, but did throw in some decent performances obviously was was disappointing at Cheltenham but I mean that last run at um, in the handicap at Listowel I mean that was a grade B very very competitive stuff and you know, for a four-year-old, um, I thought it was a very, very good effort because they made plenty of use of him. Probably, you know, just just enough use of him on the day, and didn't. It was a very, very rough race, as as typical yeah. handicaps in Ireland, but certainly wasn't disgraced. Um, so I think Hannon could certainly continue to climb the ranks because is off a mark of one three one. So, like you said, it might just still be a little bit of rope to play with there, Dean. Yeah, there's a pot there in that horse, I think, at some point. I don't know when it will be targeted. I mean, it didn't run out of, uh, like you say, a 36k decent pot at Listol that ran in it there at the beginning of September. So a little break. I think there's a race there for him. It probably turned up at a decent price and won the big meet inside the hope. I think there was a horse that me and Dermo had a... He was chatting about on Twitter the other week, um, Little David's Charm of, um, of John Walsh's. I mean... That run at Tipperary when he won uh, in the at the beginning of October, I mean, that was, you, you couldn't really say it was a very deep uh, grade three because we didn't have many runners and a few of them were, were coming back having been over fences. But still, the, the bit of boot that he showed from the second last down to the last, he absolutely mullered them. And he, he, he was dusting that much that he, he hardly rose a leg at the last, landed all, on all fours, and only ended up winning, you know, um, by... by um, by a narrow margin but he's a very very likeable horse and they actually ran him the other day up at um, the the staying race up there in the SSR which where they dropped him out an absolute mile um, and he oh they killed him yeah. he, he didn't he ended up fishing fifth I mean I, I don't know how he even got as close as that it was a hell of a good run um, but I suppose handicap wise he is sort of he wouldn't have as much rope to play with as, as Hannon he is up to 150 but he's a very very bonny little horse to be fair David's charm he is I mean his first his first win was off 111 ah <laughs> uh, yeah some run <laughs> he's some pony he's up to 150 now yeah so they'll kind of be they'll be plotting him I'd, like, I'd say similar enough to how uh, kids plotted Rashan. you'd be looking for those 
grade threes and grade twos now around the place that, that might cut up really you put my finding one or two races still no, um, no. From with that horse okay I've really enjoyed this set uh, the taste buds are light as I say for the jump season ahead um, I confess to a few anti-post bets I think Thomas Darby in the Arkle or Sam Crow in the RSA um, I'm on Lost in Translation for this Labrook coming up and then I think that will play a part in the Gold Cup picture and the 5-2 to two about Altior has been one of my favourite buttons to press of, uh, of late for the King George but uh, you know that's what it's all about can't wait for the jump season ahead Paddy thanks very much for joining us on the race hour uh, Damo it's good to be back isn't it it's absolutely great to be back lads thanks to bookmakers.co.uk we will be back next week enjoy Champions Day if that's your thing uh, it's not for us you've been listening to the race hour brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk your best bet for tips news and bookmaker reviews